Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up? What up? What's up, everybody? Pat Leonard here from the New York Daily News, the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast on the Believe Network, the YouTube channel at PL on NFL, another Talking Ball live QA. Fresh off a trip to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Spent a few days down there. Got to talk with Joe Shane and some Giants people and folks around the league. Here to talk with you about players, the coaching circuit, the draft, free agency. We'll do about um, an hour here or so. Ken, how are you doing? Authentic. Welcome. Antonio, what's up? Ken asking what I'm hearing about the defensive coordinator hire. And Kenny saying, what's up, fam? What's up, everybody? Well, Ken, you asked the appropriate question. I wanted to start by giving our man Authentic a shout out for some exclusive updates and news on the Giants defensive coordinator search. So if you don't follow him already on Twitter, go and follow Authentic. You see his handle there right now in the chat. But we know he's a diehard. We know he's connected. We know he loves the Giants and the NFL but Authentic posted on his X account today about the reasons why Denard Wilson, the Baltimore Ravens defensive backs coach, ended up choosing the Titans over the Giants. So according to Authentic's report, you can go watch it yourself after we're done here. Please do and give him a follow and a like and a retweet. But essentially, Authentic sources told him that the Giants defensive coordinator position was Denard Wilson's job to have. But he was going to be inheriting a lot of the giant staff that's already in place. A lot of people he hasn't worked with before. And so he wasn't able to kind of build his own defensive staff in New York was going to be inheriting a lot of people. And then the second reason authentic reported that Wilson didn't choose the giants is because it's a potential one and done situation. Uh, Great work by authentic, great update there. And I know I can speak especially to the second one, the potential of a one-and-done situation. This is just a reality about where the Giants are right now, guys. And maybe Joe Shane has a longer leash, you know, in a seat as a general manager in an organization that, you know, never pulls the plug quickly on that position. You know, think of it this way. If Dave Gettleman got four years, how many does Joe Shane deserve, right? Uh, But Let's say even Joe Shane, even if he is safe through year three, no matter what, and there's questions about that as well, Brian Dable most certainly enters this year on the hot seat, especially given all the things that went wrong this year, all that we have unpacked um, in the daily news and in our reporting for you guys. And it's just a reality that joining a Titans staff where you're getting a minimum two years because you're going in with a new head coach in Brian Callahan. You saw Giants, former wide receivers coach, Tyke Tolbert uh, joining the staff in Nashville as well. Um, and if you're Denard Wilson, who I actually ran into at the Senior Bowl, and I'll say this is before the Titans news came out, but um, Wilson was not, you know, usually when something's percolating and about to happen, you start seeing a guy hanging out with the new staff that he might be joining, uh, kind of acting like he's a part of it before it actually happened. And Wilson was not palling around, hanging around with Giants folks, uh, was doing his own deal. And um, I think you see the reason why, for sure. Uh, Definitely when the subject of New York was broached, um, didn't get anything back in terms of enthusiasm. But obviously, a lot of these guys like to keep things close to the vest. But authentic, great work, man. Great work bringing to the people uh, what none of us had brought to yet as far as an inside scoop on why Wilson, a hot candidate on the defensive coordinator market, A, was, according to Authentic's reporting, the guy, who it was his job to have. He did have the two interviews with the Giants and then the reasons why he ends up choosing the Titans over New York. So great work there by Authentic. And, um, you know, that gets us off and running here on um, on the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard live Q&A. And, um, and guys, I've decided to, I've looked at my schedule a little bit and I think what I'm going to start doing, and I'll post this all over my social too, but my schedule for the offseason, I'm thinking of doing two a week where we do, let's say, Mondays at noon or somewhere in that early afternoon on Monday. 
And then we do either Wednesday or Thursday evening. So that way we get an early week kind of coming out of the weekend, fresh start, talk about what's coming up and also what we have to unpack from the week and weekend prior. And, and then we can kind of set the table and then come back to you guys on a live late week. I know Joey B comedy, who's one of our loyal followers here and a great giants fan as well. It's kind of banging the table saying, let's do these all the time. Like let's do these daily. And uh, frankly, I hope, I hope to get there. And, um, with your guys' help, we will. And so just put that, kind of mark that down unofficially on your calendars throughout the offseason, thinking of trying to maybe start with like a Monday after Monday early afternoon and Thursday or Wednesday evening um, follow-up chat, so minimum two a week. Plus the podcast with guests are going to start ramping back up, going to continue adding more offerings to my reporting here. Um, before we go any further, guys, I'll get right to your questions. Do need to tell you about Bet Online, our sponsor, really quickly. Of course, uh, it's playoff time, and the road to Las Vegas goes through San Francisco and Kansas City. And Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm probably actually going to throw up a, a kind of a silly video on my TikTok at some point. I got like Bet Online has basically a thousand Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey props you can bet on for the game. So not everyone's into that. You know, a lot of us are into the football first, but if you're into that stuff, um, it's also just sometimes really funny the types of things that you can bet on, things that you would never think of. Liam Heslin says, Hey, Pat, thanks for all the great content. You got it, Liam. Thanks for being here. Kenny G was all over that authentic news. Nice. Paul says, what's up from Newtown, PA? Paul, what's going on, man? Good to hear from you. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul. Paul loves the G-Men, man. Paul's all over it. Um, you know, travels to see the team. Diehard fan. Paul, whatever questions you got, share it here. Authentic, I appreciate you, man. You've been a huge supporter of what I'm doing um, and spreading the word. And also great to see somebody like yourself kind of, you know, putting in the work and getting on the board with news like that. And it's just a reminder for people like, you know, your passion can drive you there. And also, you know, I think authentic reporting is important in this sense. You know, all of these instances, these interviews, these pursuits of different coaches and players, free agency, are you re-signing someone? Are you bringing someone back? There are so many conversations and these, these are all people with families, with, you know, um, a lot of variables in their lives. Where are they living now? Where are they headed to next? Um, where, what does the job security look like? Like there is so much that happens behind the scenes. And so that's part of the reason I can come back from a place like the senior bowl and bring you guys kind of so much scuttlebutt is because there's so many fronts being uh, discussed and worked upon, whether it's coaches, hirings, firings, GMs, coordinators, player evaluations for the draft, early talk about possible trades, uh, free agent decisions, and those kind of things. We got to meet with Jim Joe Shane down there in Mobile, really valuable opportunity, the Giants GM heading into his third pivotal season. So all very important, authentic, great work again. Antonio says, are you surprised the Giants have not given Leslie Frazier an interview for the DC job? Uh, Antonio, I that always felt to me like um, a hire where I know Joe Shane told us in Mobile that going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 would not be a big deal, in his opinion, based on their personnel. But I do think bringing in Leslie Frazier immediately shifts the entire way you're running your defense schematically from the way Martindale had been. And even if Shane thinks he has a lot of personnel that can find a kind of like adjust and fill the gaps, I think it's much easier said than done. Uh, you know, you think of it right away, like you need a third capable every down uh, stand up linebacker behind your four man front. Right. So that's something the giants don't have. You need probably at least another corner, probably two to add to your secondary, regardless of scheme anyway, you have to figure out Xavier McKinney. 
you need another edge rusher. And also, you know, now you can align things different ways from snap to snap, but I think Dexter Lawrence over the center as the nose in the three, four has really helped him open up his game and become now this perennial, you know, whether it's second team, all pro pro bowl, I think that's really been a, a strong fit for him. And so I'm not sure it would be as easy schematically to adjust. And that's why I don't think you're hearing Leslie Frazier's name on the tip of everybody's tongue right now. Um, Remember also that this is important to always remember. Now, I'm not telling you, I, you know, I haven't heard anything recently about this being a factor in the last week or two or not, but the Giants brought in Leslie Frazier. The last time they brought him in for an interview, they brought him in on a Friday, the same day, like hours before they had a press release, you know, released and that was ready to go announcing Brian Dable as their new head coach. And those types of things don't, feel right to coaches and don't sit right with them, even though they understand the lay of the land and the politics sometimes. So, you know, Frazier's last experience with the giants was leaving the building from an interview and not much longer after, you know, seeing a release that was all ready to go announcing Brian Dable as the head coach. So, you know, that that's not necessarily, uh, that doesn't mean he wouldn't take a defensive coordinator job with the team. It's just something to think and think about. Kenny G says, is Jerome Henderson the lead candidate now for defensive coordinator? Kenny, I'll say this. I didn't see him in Mobile, Alabama. Um, he might have been there. I didn't see him. Um, Authentic says, thanks again for sharing the news on your platform. Authentic, anytime, man. That's a huge update. So, Kenny, uh, you know, I didn't see Jerome down there. Um, you're saying he was there? Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't see him. Um, I think that... Uh, sorry, one sec. I'm a big, big coffee guy. You guys know I'm a state 98 coffee, a big coffee guy. Um, so Jerome, um, I think if, if they were eager to promote Jerome Henderson to defensive coordinator, then it's something you would have done by now. Like if he was at the top of your list to do that, that doesn't mean they can't do it, but looks to me more like a fallback at the end of a search where options are falling off the board rather than um, that they're going to Jerome first, right? Because otherwise this wouldn't be dragging on this long. Um, so if he ends up being the favorite, it's because guys have chosen other teams is the way it looks to me. Um, you know, Authentics reporting on Wilson, I think reaffirms that. Uh, you have Brendan Daly right now, uh, you know, from the Kansas City Chiefs coaching in the Super Bowl and has a little history with Dable going back to New England. Now, again, are you leaving a, a position in Kansas City that is going to the Super Bowl every year to come to New York where you might be one and done? I don't know. Um, I saw a report from Jordan Ronan from ESPN today that said, the defensive coordinator search doesn't have to wrap up it today or this weekend, despite the fact that general manager Joe Shane said that he was hopeful it would be wrapped up by the end of this week. So that type of report tells me that um, their options have dwindled and that they're either resetting or waiting on somebody who's still coaching and hoping that will be the solution. Um, Ajiro Evero from the Carolina Panthers is a guy who, if he had, now he was doing interviews, you know, for head coaching positions, that kind of thing. If he ended up leaving Carolina, you know, that's another name that would have been on the board as a possibility, but the Carolina Panthers are saying that their plan is to retain him. Dave Canales threw his support behind Evero in his introductory press conference. And so, if he stays in Carolina, that's another name off the board. Another reason why maybe the Giants had eyes for certain people and can't wrap it up now. Um, regardless of where what you hear anywhere else, it is absolutely not only concerning that they haven't hired a defensive coordinator so far, it is also an affirmation of people in the league's knowledge of what happened in New York and the delicate situation and the lay of the land they have to navigate 
to view it as an attractive job. And let's just say this right off the bat, the Giants defensive coordinator position should be, it's, I mean, it's iconic, right? Going back, you think about Bill Belichick and on and on, but you know, being defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, that should not be a difficult position to fill. And if it is, it has more to do with the situation surrounding it than uh, the people and the candidates who are eligible. So Antonio says, are they telling candidates that they're interviewing for the D.C. job that they have to keep certain people on the staff like Andre Patterson and Jerome Henderson, assuming Jerome does not get the job? Well, they they have a lot of respect for both coaches. Um, I definitely think that at this moment, the Giants, number one thing they do not want to do right now is lose another coach. Because we already know what happened there, but they've lost so many coaches, so many key coaches, not just firings, but then also Nixon leaves for Syracuse. Then you have Martindale obviously resigning. You had the Wilkins brothers get fired. You had McGahee and Bobby Johnson get fired. You have Mike Kafka, who, even though it's tracking towards him returning, has just felt all along like if the right team tried to poach him as an offensive coordinator, maybe that you know divorce would happen too. Because let's just face it, based on my reporting and what we know about what happened in New York, there's no doubt that um, people involved would not mind a, a, a split there, right? Based on how Dable according to many sources, uh, had treated, you know, Mike throughout last season and according to how the offense did and how bleak it could end up being in 2024, depending on whether they're able to rebuild or not. So I think retaining Mike Kafka, retaining Jerome Henderson, retaining Andre Patterson, you know, especially those two defensive guys, like they, they, you know, they respect their, their, their work and what they've done. But I think also there's an element of self-preservation here of like the more people who we let out of here, the more people will, it will just reaffirm how bad it's gotten. And so I think they're concentrated on that a lot. Um, let's see. Okay. Antonio reaffirming that there was a picture of Jerome Henderson in mobile that's interesting. Yeah. Um, he looks like he looks like he, uh, kept a, kept a low profile there. Um, Momo says, do you think the giants take a quarterback on day one of the draft? Momo, I'm glad you brought this up because, um, the quarterback situation with the giants right now is fascinating to me. And I'll answer that right in a second. Just want to remind you guys, for these live chats, you have the opportunity to purchase a super chat or a super sticker. And if you do that, it helps your comment elevates it to the top of uh, the queue. I answered it. I answer it right away. I jump everyone else's question to get to yours first, whether it's an opinion, whether it's a question, whatever it is. Um, I go into that feedback. I go right into that. And it's a good way to kind of support the channel and what we're doing and what we're continuing to build here. Also, remember, you can find me. Twitter is or X is P Leonard NYDN and on Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube, I am at PL on NFL. I also have a Facebook page now under my name, Pat Leonard, um, that you can join where I will share links to my work and kind of continue to branch out and build this community. Really appreciate it. And while we do these chats, please hit the like button. Um, the, the hearts, the thumbs up, whatever it is that you can do to give support while, while we are live, because when we are live doing these chats, when people interact like that, whether it's your questions and comments or whether it's you hitting the like button, the YouTube algorithm, the way this works, that helps push it out more to giant fans who might be online and not be aware yet of what we are doing here. And then they can jump in and add to the conversation, add their two cents and uh, and contribute to our platform and join our community. So really appreciate all that you do there. But Momo, uh, let's get back to your question because I think it is the question and topic of the off season outside of um, obviously everything going on with the coaching staff and the team. Jim Osborne checks in with the 199 Super Chat. Thank you so much, Jim. Momo, sorry, get right back to you. 
Jim says, hey, Pat, we lost Denard Wilson to the Titans. Seriously, we must be losing respect throughout the NFL for our DC position to lose out to the Titans. Sad. Jim, if you just jumped in to make sure you go see Authentic's report on X about the reasons why Wilson chose the Titans over the Giants related to inheriting defensive staff and also to the concern that it could be a one and done job. Great work there by Authentic. And yes, absolutely, Jim. I think it's no question that you have to view it as concerning for the Giants in their inability to recruit candidates to this position right now. So Momo, Giants quarterback round one. Here's the concern, and I'm going to write this for the Daily News soon. The concern, Momo, about the quarterback situation is it really looks like the top three teams are going to take a quarterback. Okay, so the Chicago Bears, a lot of people believe, most people believe that they are taking Caleb Williams from USC. And if the Chicago Bears take Caleb Williams, um, then at two, right now, the leading candidate for the number two pick to the Washington Commanders appears to be Drake May from the University of North Carolina. The Patriots, like Gerard Mayo and and the Patriots, you know, very clear that they are eyeing the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Now, is their guy going to be Jaden Daniels? Would their guy be Bo Nix? Would they, you know, a lot of people right now, I've, I've talked to some people who think that at number, if you're drafting like at number three, or even where the Giants are drafting, like there are some really valuable and high end positional players in this draft too, right? including some of the receivers at the top, Adunze from Washington, Harrison from Ohio State, Joe Alt from Notre Dame, the left tackle. So, you know, if you want a quarterback like Bo Nix, let's say, could you move back to – could you trade back if you're the Patriots to 7, 8, or 9 and still get him there, right? Or if you did, would the Giants take that player at 6, right? So you have to think of all these things. There's some people who think, uh, you know, could there be movement – could those quarterbacks all go in the first round, but not necessarily go one, two, three because of positional value and all that, those things possibly. But the Giants concern right now is this Momo. They are going from Daniel Jones in 2024 as the plan to looking at selecting their quarterback of the future in this draft to hopefully sit behind Daniel Jones and learn and develop and hopefully be the 2025 starter if Daniel Jones doesn't just grab the job, stay healthy, and you know go on this meteoric run right back to the guy they thought he was when they signed with the contract. The problem is if you can't get up into that top three there, now there's no quarterbacks that look like the obvious quarterback of the future. Like, let's say Jaden Daniels is the third pick to the to the Patriots. Now, there are some people who like Bo Nix from Oregon. But if you select Bo Nix, are you surefire in possession now of your franchise quarterback for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years? I mean, there's only a few days in Mobile, but based on what I saw, like I didn't love what I saw. Now, Shea Tierney is getting an up-close-and-personal look at the quarterback's coach with the Giants right now. He's the offensive coordinator of the national team down at the Senior Bowl. So he's getting a very close look at Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and these other quarterbacks there. Now, it's very possible the Giants would love a guy like Bo Nix, right? He's mobile. um, You know, he's got some some size to him. But – you know, to me, doesn't doesn't look like a guy that I say, oh, yeah, he's the obvious pick. Pen, you know, write it down in pen. Michael Penix, I don't think, moves well enough, especially with his injury history, to come to a place like New York and, and thrive with what they've had on the offensive line and just how their offenses looked. Did throw an accurate ball in Mobile. Uh, one guy I think that interests me right now that I need to do a little bit more work on is J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Obviously, we've all seen him play. Um, out there in the open, uh, you know, making that run to the national championship. But, you know, I think Momo, it almost looks more like based on how the board falls, 
that the Giants could be in position to draft a quarterback to trade up into the top of the or the back of the first round and acquiring a quarterback there like McCarthy rather than, you know, forcing a pick in the top of the first round after a bunch go one, two, three, and you're picking a guy overvalued essentially the way Daniel Jones was. And I don't think if you're waiting until the second round, like you're getting a guy who you can sit there and say, well, we have Daniel Jones. And then if he falters or after this season, we're going to go to this guy and we'll be fine. So that is the, that's the dilemma to me right now for the giants. And I think the sweet spot may be the back of the first round to try to trade up into there and get the fifth year option on a quarterback. And uh, right now McCarthy's a guy I'm doing a lot of work on trying to figure out exactly what's what there. I'm not saying McCarthy would definitely be the guy either, but I just think mobility, upside, all those things. Um, Authentic says, just for being real and keeping it 100, he's dropping five bucks into the super chat. Authentic, my man, thank you so much. Guys, please support Authentic's work as well. Um, Like I said, go find him on X uh, after this chat and you can listen to his report. Authentic, really well-produced video too, man. Like, you know, on point, telling you. Oh, I, I got you, man. I, I knew what the typo was. No no biggie. I make plenty of them as well. It's worse when you write it in an article and somebody calls you out on on uh, on social media. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, your production is very nice. All right. So thank you, Authentic. Thanks for supporting the, the channel here, man. All right. Let's get to the next question, which is, Antonio says, would you say the Giants signing a guard in free agency is pretty much a lock? Um, Antonio, I would say this. I think I think it's a lock that the Giants are going to expend a significant resource on at least one guard. So whether that means spending significant money in free agency or using a fairly high pick on one in the draft. Now, fairly high could mean, you know, like trying to using another third rounder, let's say. Like that could be, I know that's not like a first or second rounder, but like I, you know, I wrote about Isaiah Adams from Illinois and um, Roger Rosengarten, the right tackle. Adams told me directly and only me directly that he had already had two meetings with the giants. Um, and these, pl- these players do meet with teams and they do kind of like the, the speed dating, if you will. Uh, but that is something I think to keep an eye on is how much work they're doing on the guards in the draft. Antonio, there's no doubt about it. That's a priority position for them. Right. Tackle is too, though. Cause I really don't think uh, the answer is coming from Evan Neal this year at right tackle, especially, especially you got to put it like this. You can't count on Evan Neal to be your right tackle. Maybe he's on the roster. You're looking at him at guard. He's also there as an option to tackle if he gets his stuff figured out and stays healthy and what you bring in doesn't work. But right now, that has to be a priority. Um, And Antonio, as far as like who they would sign at guard if they were looking at it in free agency, now they can make some cuts and free some cap space, but you know, right now they're only tracking, I think it was like 21 or $22 million in cap space at the moment that the Giants have. So this is the same reason why, like, it doesn't make sense for them to fr- franchise tag Saquon Barkley, even if they want to try to keep him at a price. It's like it's putting $12 million on your cap for one player for the Giants right now with their salary cap and the way it looks, it's really got to be the right player. Like, you got to hit like you hit on Bobby Okereke to make that money really worth it. Um, you know, I think it's worth starting when you look at the Raiders, like they have some free agents coming out. Now, Greg Van Roten's a 30, uh, he's like 33, 34 years old, uh, a right guard who played 98% of the snaps for the Raiders. So, you know, I don't know if the Giants are looking at the 34 year old uh, free agent market, but like Jermaine Elamanor, the right tackle for the Raiders, he's uh, 29 or 30. And that's the kind of player that Carmen Brasillo, the Giants' new offensive coordinator who came over from Vegas, that's the kind of player that Carmen got the most out of. And, you know, he's, he's a former Patriot, um, you know, then played with the Raiders. And he's a guy who I think he was making like around $3 million last year. So those are the kind of veterans that at 
various positions on the Giants team, I think you're looking to find it's not necessarily a bargain. It's just not like the top of the heap, uh, you know, type type signing either where you're spending, you know, tons of resources and you don't have a lot to spread around the rest of your roster. Um, you know, I think I do think Justin Pugh showed he has some good football left in him. Um, you know, he and Bredesen, I think, are both guys that the Giants love. Well, I know they're people they love as people. Um, and also, like, I think they can both start games, but I still think they are the Giants are doing their due diligence to find, um, you know, upgrades across the line at guards and at tackle with the hope that they can also fill in gaps with as backups and starters, spot starters and competition with veterans as well. You know, maybe even guys that they bring back. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the Lions, Jonah Jackson, he's a left guard who's a pending unrestricted free agent. But, um, you know, hard to see the Lions just letting guys walk out of the building. But obviously they have to pay guys and you can't pay everybody either. So that's like a guard who's coming from uh, a high powered offense this year. Somebody to keep in mind. Um, so those are just some names to kick around when we're kicking around tires. All right. Doug Analytics. What's up, Doug? Doug thinks, I don't think the DC position still being open is affirmation of the coaching drama situation. It certainly could be, but it doesn't scream. Nobody wants to be here to me. Uh, Doug, uh, respectfully, I think, uh, you know, this is, this is based like I'm really close to all these situations and I wouldn't say something like that if it wasn't the case. Um, you know, there's definite awareness around the league of what happened with the giants and how it happened and why it happened and who is to blame. And it certainly gives people pause. There's no doubt. It gives people pause. It's a fact. It gives people pause. Everybody's, you know, everybody's different. Not everybody feels the exact same way about certain situations, but as I said, you know, authentic putting out there definitively this idea that one of the reasons Denard Wilson didn't want New York is because there's a potential for it to be a one and done. Like that's a, that's related to this. That's related to all of this. It's related to understanding how bad it's gotten, understanding how bad it could continue to be understanding why it wouldn't be sustainable. Right. Brian Ascalise, my guy, what's up? Brian says, what does Saquon going with Ed Berry mean to negotiations with the Giants? Yeah, that's uh, Brian. I know I've seen this kind of trickling around uh, in the last day or so. Um, he's been with Ed Berry. Like the, he was with Kim Miali from Rock Nation last year before adding Ed Berry on. But um, happened a while ago that Saquon Barkley turned to CAA exclusively there. Um, you know, he just kind of didn't want to make anybody look bad is my best read on it. But Barry and, and CIA, you know, they came on board uh, last year because Kim Miali and Rock Nation and their representation of Barkley went, you know, it, it was it was poor last year. It was they they did him a disservice and now they were trying to handle it the right way and they were doing it the best way they saw fit. But Barkley received some bad advice on how he was going to um, how it was going to play out. What was going to happen with him versus Daniel Jones? Who's going to get signed? Who was going to get tagged? What kind of leverage do you have versus what kind of leverage do you hope you have? You know, I've said this about Barkley and there's other players too from the get-go. You need some people around you to tell you no or to tell or to, you know, give you advice. And then if, even if it's not what you don't want to hear to kind of say like, no, listen, like this is what you're paying me for. And this is what I'm telling you, right? Um, the fact that it's coming out now that he's that it's exclusively Ed Berry and CAA, um, I think is just another subtle push against the idea that this is going to be anything easy for the Giants. I truly, I can tell you guys this for sure. Dante, thanks for the five dollars, man. Thanks for checking in with the five bucks. Really appreciate that. But Brian, what it means is all along here. Here's what I think. I think Saquon wants to play somewhere else. I just don't think he wants to look like he wants to play somewhere else. Now, 
he doesn't want to not be a giant, right? That's not, that's not, but th- again, this is just my read on things. I'm not speaking for him. I'm just, this is my interpretation. I think Saquon wants the opportunity to capitalize on his value and to win. And I think the best chance to do those things right now is not here. To do both of those things, let alone either of those things, is not here. Now, the running back market is saturated. There's no question about it. Like when you look at the running back market right now, Now, these are guys who are tracking to be free agents here. You have Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler. Um, I think Gus Edwards is a void from Baltimore. Um, You know, Zeke, Devin Singletary, Edwards Hilaire, DeAndre Swift from Philadelphia, uh, Damian Harris, um, you know, several other names, J.K. Dobbins, some injury history, but maybe some value, Salvin Ahmed, et cetera, A.J. Dillon, Kareem Hunt. So a lot of running backs, um, a lot of running backs are going to be on the market. And Brian, I think that Saquon, based on his behavior and his comments at the end of the season, I think he was setting the table to say, this year is not last year. We're not going to do this the same way we did it last year. He de- He demanded like, listen, Give us clarity on what's going to happen with the franchise tag so I know where I stand. Give me early clarity. Tell me whether or not you're going to tag me. Let me understand whether I'm going to have a chance to test the market. If we're if you're going to say that you want me here, show me early. You know, don't jerk me around. And I think that the idea that it's clear that it's CAA leading the way is just another way of kind of, you know, laying down the gauntlet subtly that you know, yesterday's price is not today's price, right? If you want to put it that way. Um, something else to remember here is Barry from CAA. Barry's like a, Barry's a young agent. Um, CAA is a big shop. But, you know, the real significance of him going to CAA is going with their financial people, their salary cap people. It's obviously interesting that last year you had Daniel Jones leaving CAA to go to Athletes First to get his done. Meanwhile, you had Barkley sticking with rock nation, but then realizing it hadn't been handled properly switching over to CAA to try to get things done. Of course, the deal he ended up signing, you know, once CAA jumped on board with the giants was ridiculous too. I mean, it had incentives all tied to making the playoffs on a team that ended up going six and 11. I mean, it was just silly. So, you know, to me, if I'm Saquon, I want to make sure I'm getting all the best advice possible. Uh, I will tell you this, Brian, I do think my early return and read on Saquon is that even though it is a saturated market, there are teams out there who have a lot of uh, respect for uh, Saquon and they still think he has something to give. Now, I don't know what that means they're going to offer him versus what the Giants are going to put on the table. Because I would would think the Giants in many ways right now will just kind of say, you know, here's what we're looking at. We want you here. We want you here for a long time. We want you to be a career giant, but this is the best we can do. And if you can go beat this on the market, more power to you. Right. But, you know, I think, I think Saquon wants to see, wants to see what's out there on the market. And I do think that if he hits the market, he will end up playing somewhere else. So that's my take on that. I keep telling people, I really, I really do think he's going to be playing for another team when all is said and done. I also found it very interesting that I think it was this morning on Good Morning Football, I saw Ryan Leaf say randomly that Jim Harbaugh, who he has a strong connection with, um, having been with the Chargers together when Leaf was playing, Jim Harbaugh apparently, according to Ryan Leaf, loves Saquon Barkley and has his eyes on Saquon Barkley. Now, he's saying that, that tells me it's true. It also sounds to me like there are some connections there, probably from Leaf to Saquon or to his representation in some form, maybe to push this idea of other suitors out there to make sure that this time around, 
he's not without leverage when push comes to shove. That was a long-winded answer, Brian, but I, I hope it answered your question. If it didn't, um, you know, follow up. I'll jump on it. All right, let's see. Brian, thanks for being here, by the way. You're the man. Um, Liam says, if they don't take a quarterback at six, which position do you think they should target? Do you think they would draft best available fit or force a specific position? Um, I do. I think it would be a number one wide receiver because I think there's a strong chance that either Marvin Harrison Jr. or Rome Adunze uh, would be there. Now it's possible, right? It's possible that it could go quarterback, 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 receiver, receiver at the top of the draft. And then the Giants at six have to decide on, do we take Malik Neighbors from LSU? Or do we take Joe Alt, the tackle, and just try to make sure, even though he's been playing left tackle for Notre Dame, do we try to make sure we have a tackle and, you know, we value that more over a receiver like Neighbors? I still think uh, a pass catcher, a receiver, especially because, like, they are they can't just run back Daniel Jones this year and have any kind of season. Like, they have to have some success this year. And it also, you can't look like you're kind of undercutting Daniel and you're not giving them the every best chance to succeed. So to me, it would be wide receiver, but they do need another edge opposite of Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you know, they need an offensive tackle. They're going to need a corner. I don't see Joe Shane drafting corners back-to-back first round. I don't really think that's going to be the case. So I guess I would probably say uh, wide receiver and then, you know, tackle slash edge rusher would be my guess if they didn't go quarterback at six. Official Real Deal Raymond says, Pat, who do you think ends up being the DC as we sit here right now? Great work as always, Pat. Thank you, Raymond. Um, Right now, this is not me hearing anything like that it's trending towards or it's going to be, but I mean, let's think about it. There was, there was Shane Bowen, right, from Tennessee who interviewed. Um, haven't heard anything strong about that. Uh, there's Brendan Daly from the Chiefs. And then, you know, you have the internal candidates. I mean, I think if Evero got out of Carolina or wanted to leave and somehow that didn't work out, you know, that would be like a hot name who suddenly would spice it up and probably jump to the top of the list. But like if that didn't happen, it right now it's feeling more and more like like a Jerome Henderson, which, you know, there I, I know there are people who are just going to say, yeah, he deserves it. Um, you know, the Giants have their guy. But like you, you could have just promoted Jerome right away if like that was if that was who you were going to hire. I mean you know, that's if they end up hiring Jerome after five weeks, I mean, that's just going to be unfortunately for Jerome, a fallback. And that could be, end up being what's happening. Uh, Antonio says, what do you expect the giants to do with Xavier McKinney? Um, I think they'll make an effort to sign him. I think if he get it's a, there's a chance he gets priced out. You can't lose everybody. I mean, you know, if they lose Saquon Barkley, um, can you really lose Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney and be in a position now where, uh, let's just face it, I know they weren't a good team, but two of your good players on a team that the roster is not great, are, can you let both leave? I think like, you know, if I had to guess right now, the Giants end up re-signing McKinney and finding a way to kick some money down the road in his contract so his cap hit worked for them this year and Barkley ends up on another team. That, that's my guess. But, like, it is a safety position too. So, you know, Joe Shane's big on positional value and, like, modern GM thinking in that way. So I don't see it as a situation where, like, he's looking to break the bank for McKinney as, like, an obvious guy that you have to overpay even if the market goes crazy. Um, but – like the safety market, a lot of safeties didn't get paid last year as much as they thought they would. Um, that doesn't mean McKinney won't. Um, you know, listen, here's what I would say. If a if a team breaks the bank for McKinney, he will not be here. That's my opinion. Um, like, and, you know, he still deserves to get paid even if he comes back to the Giants. I'm just saying if somebody blows the Giants out of the water with an offer that is that is – 
much higher than what they deem appropriate for that position. I don't necessarily think they would end up stretching like crazy for a player at that position. I could be wrong. Um, you know, I, I guess my short answer is I don't have a definitive read on how they'll proceed, but I do know based on what McKinney's looking for, how they value him, but how they handle positional value and how they look at that position and their team that they would pay, but to a certain amount would be my guess. Oh, and Dante, by the way, not only thank you for the $5 super chat, but this is his, this is Dante's fifth super on our live stream going back to the start of this season. Dante really can't thank you enough for your support. We'll do a few more minutes here. Mike Goodman checking in with 10 bucks says, thanks for doing this, Pat. You got it, Mike. Mike, if you have a question or a comment, drop it. I'll get to it right away. And Momo dropping another $5 into the chat. Momo, really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Kenny and Brett, I'll get right to you. Uh, but I'm going to get to Momo first. He says, do you think Shane and Dable are on the hot seat going into 2024? I think Dable is. Um, I think Shane is not as of this moment, but I do think if his free agent and draft class this year are not dramatic improvements from what he's done, and this season, again, is a total mess and a wreck, then that could change. And now what I mean by that is like, listen, yes, there's some things that Joe Shane has done well, right? And Bobby O'Karake is a guy he signed and all that. But the offensive line this year got worse than what it's been, right? And, you know, for anyone out there who listens, when I bang on the offensive line and how bad it's been, like there was obviously a demarcation in the midseason where they finally said to themselves, we have to actually do something about this, right? And they went and they signed Justin Pugh and they brought Tyree Phillips back. And, you know, they showed some urgency and understanding that what they had in the building wasn't good enough. It did improve, right? So I'm talking about the plan going into the season and the first half of the year when the Giants offensive line was not prepared to succeed. The offense was not prepared to succeed. They were forcing players into position they couldn't handle. They were not, they were banking on guys who weren't ready for certain responsibilities. They didn't have the appropriate depth to support it. They didn't have uh, the training regimen in, in place with the athletic training staff and the way they rest guys all the time and, and all those things. They were not appropriately prepared physically to play the posi position and the season, right? So what I mean about when you ask Momo about being on the hot seat, like if Joe Shane's roster gets worse in key areas and the Giants continue to spiral, you know, this will be on him too. And this is something that I'll be writing for the Daily News soon as well. It's like all the negativity that has surrounded the Giants coming out of the season has surrounded. Now, you know, there's people out of the building now, right? It's, who've been, you know, kind of attached to it as well but really has surrounded Brian Dable, right? And what does he have to fix? And what did he do wrong? And all those things. But Joe Shane runs the Giants right now. And like, this is Joe Shane's team. And so if this year is like worrisomely treading water to a regression, then he could go from deserving clear five, six years to what exactly is going on here. Right. And so I do think that could change, but you know, I see it right now. I see it as the coach being under fire and the GM not yet, but I mean, if you're, if you have your eyes open, not you, but like if, if people have their eyes open, like this is not exactly like a situation where the front office has done great and the coaching staff has not like everyone associated with the giants is culpable for what has happened here especially the people running the show. And Shane is the person running the show overall. Kenny G says, do the Giants have to take a quarterback early in the draft? I don't think we should force another QB pick just because. Yeah, Kenny, I, I agree with that. Like in the sense that you don't force the value there. And that's why I'm saying, you know, it, can you get a guy in the back, back of the first who you think is your franchise QB, but you're not expending the sixth overall pick because you also need to improve your current roster to help the team improve and help Daniel Jones still try to prove he's the guy 
one more time because you have no choice because you have them under this big contract, right? So I do think right here and now, I think they're taking a position player, maybe a receiver at six. And then I think they'll still look quarterback elsewhere in the draft. I mean, if you're Joe Shane, can you really risk losing your job after three, four years and never having taken your guy? I mean, this is a deep quarterback class. So you could take some developmental players like a Joe Milton, the third from uh, Tennessee, who I know a lot is kind of scouts give me a look and say, be careful, be careful. Cause it's like, he looks the part, but then you watch him in games and not everything is there that you want to want it to be. But um, you know, I could see the giants going mid round QB and recognizing the guy might not be, you know, the clear home run next future quarterback, but believing that Brian Dable can kind of groom and develop that young player and view it as his guy. Right. Um, it's really a shame that they won some games down the stretch and that they have the sixth pick because a guy like Drake may would be like an absolute, like just seems like the the player for them in this draft. Doesn't it? Like, you know, he's got a kind of like strength to him, mobility, upside, you know, all those things that um, I think that Dable and the Giants would really like. And, you know, not only is the team at two a team that needs a quarterback, but it's also a division rival in Washington. Though it is a new GM, Adam Peters. So I don't know, maybe Shane could pull the wool, wool over his eyes, but I just don't see it happening. But yes, Kenny, I agree that ideally they they would get their quarterback of the future at the top of the first, but you can't force it. Um, let's see. Brett says, Pat, any chance Wink Martindale comes back? Uh, Brett, I... That ship, I think that ship has sailed uh, based on how things ended. I don't think that's a legitimate question. Um, certainly, certainly not one I would consider as a possibility. Antonio says, what is your viewpoint on the season Jason Pinnock had and as a potential long long-term starter? I think Pinnock is the kind of player who finally got a shot and showed people why he deserved one, but also... There were plays, you know, whether it's missed tackles, bad angles, where you can see why sometimes he lost a job to people as well. Extremely athletic, great guy. Um, and frankly, one thing I, you have to watch every time a, there's a coaching change, whether it's head coach coordinators, I wonder if Pinnock will be the kind of player who will he play at the same level with a change in scheme and a change of defensive coordinator? Um, he, now he, he will be working with Jerome Henderson again, right. Who coached him and the DB. So there will be consistency there, but will a different scheme not unlock certain things he provided in the same way? I don't know, but that's the kind of player where you kind of hit on like a, a projection of a guy who's either a low draft pick or someone else's, um, you know, player who they were undervaluing, right. Will coaching make a difference in whether he keeps, kind of rising or not. I'll be curious to see that, but I like Pinnock a lot, but they, they need more depth at safety too. Authentic says absolutely was a mistake to pay Jones and bank on youth to develop around a quarterback who absolutely needs a solid O-line. No doubt. Authentic. No doubt. What a flawed plan. And again, this is in Dable's defense. Like you can't just throw the head coach out with the trash and say, it's all on him when the general manager is legitimately running the show, right? So let's see. Doug says, was the philosophy of light practices and more rest any different from the first year with Shane and Dable? Um, it was similar. Um, it was even more so uh, light, especially in training camp with the amount of like rest days they were giving guys. I mean, they added more veterans to try and go win. And like Kayvon said in that interview, he thought they were going to challenge to make the Super Bowl. I mean, this is literally how they were thinking. So it, it increased even with just the idea that they had guys like Waller or Okereke, you know, whether they had injury histories or were just kind of, you know, high priced veteran investments that they wanted to take care of. Right. They kind of put people in bubble wrap, you know, there's Andrew Thomas, whatever it was. And, um, so it was similar, but even like a little bit more ramped up. And really, like this is on Shane for enabling that athletic training plan. Of course, 
there were people who bucked the amount that Joe Judge, you know, practiced hard and what his demands were when he was here as a head coach. But, um, you know, I think it's interesting. Like you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl right now, they practice their butts off. They do not go light, right? And the Chiefs and the Niners, I think, are both teams that the Giants would like to be even half of um, as an organization and as a team when it comes to competing every Sunday and every week. So I think that would be something to reconsider, especially if you're Joe Shane and Brian Dable thinking, you know, how do we get better and make sure we're still working here? Um, but also this is another dangerous thing. This is dangerous. And I've said this before, but you can't be a head coach who says like, I'm going to go easy on guys. I'm going to be a player's coach. I'm going to go light. And then when things start getting rough, all of a sudden, everybody's practicing hard. You're not letting up. You're extra and over demanding. Um, you know, people don't see it as authentic. And so you got to be careful there if you're Brian Dable as well. All right, let's see. Doug says, was the philosophy of light practices? And Oh, sorry, I just answered that. Dante says, hey, Pat, any word on who the Giants would draft at running back? Being from Nyack, New, New York, I really like your Notre Dame guy, Audric Estime, or another local star from Monmouth, Jaden Sheridan. He could be seriously overlooked. Got another name for you to uh, keep an eye on here. Um, Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Marshawn is a guy who um, made some nice catches, some good work as a wide receiver. Um, at the senior bowl, um, five, nine, two seventeen packs a punch though, when he runs, um, but really as a wide receiver, like showed great hands pace, um, did what was asked of him. Um, I also, I think this guy left the senior bowl, but Mar Marshall's, uh, Rasheen Ali, 511, 204 had multiple explosives. And then Georgia's, uh, how do you say it? Dejan, Dejan Edwards. Is that how you say his name? Um, also is an interesting guy to me. Est Estime, I like Estime as well. A uh, hard runner. Um, I do think the Giants would love a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which is, it's interesting because like the way they use Saquon in that Washington game when DeVito was the quarterback where they win in Washington as a receiver, like that to me is how they should use Saquon more. And that to me is probably ideally how they're going to use another running back. They just don't want to pay, you know, like that Christian McCaffrey running uh, money for it. Right. But Marshawn Lloyd, USC, is a guy who I would look at to answer your question there, though there are plenty of other options for sure. Get back to you on Sheridan as well. Mark said, okay, two more questions and then we'll get out of here. Thanks for joining me again, guys, on this live chat. Um, like I said, Monday, Mondays on uh, probably around noon and either Wednesday or Thursday nights, that's going to be our off-season schedule I'm going to try to stick to or at least start with as we ramp up towards free agency and the draft. Uh, I'm going to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I'll be there Thursday to Tuesday. So I'll bring you at least one chat on that Monday after the game from Las Vegas. We'll unpack the Super Bowl. That'll be fun. I'll be there at Allegiant Stadium. Remember, we're sponsored by Bet Online and by Estate 98 Coffee from El Salvador and Essencia de Cafe. Takes two seconds to make a nice coffee. I drink it all the time when I'm doing the Talking Ball podcast, doing it right here, and our live chats. All right, so a couple more questions. Mark Colarusso says, Shane, aside, why does everyone seem to be ready to kick Dable to the curb? Early season was rough, but the team really didn't look that bad towards the end, even when they were clearly handicapped at quarterback. Um, I mean, it was an all-time bad offense. That's, that's Dable's calling card. Um, he alienated a ton of staff members um, with his behavior and – uh, with a lot of processes that were not efficient and there are legitimate questions and there should be legitimate questions about which season is the anomaly here. And I think this year is going to show it and the roster isn't necessarily good enough for them to hit the ground running, kind of dig themselves out of a hole early in 2024. Uh, Mark it's, it's, there's not just smoke, there's fire. Um, you know, the giants obviously don't want to rip things up quickly, but um, you know, this is, this is not going well with the Giants. You know, anybody who thinks that 
there were only a few hiccups here or not is not fully understanding kind of what happened in the 2023 season. Um, interesting to me how quiet John Mara has remained through all of this. Obviously we haven't heard from Steve Tish in a long time, but John Mara has remained super quiet, probably trying to not, you know, not to look like he's meddling, like sensitive to that um, perception and the reality of what had been happening over the years and trying to let Joe Shane run the show. Um, so you know, that's what you want from the owner is to hire people and trust them, but also really worrisome kind of what happened through this season, down the stretch of this season. And that um, kind of ownership apparently seemed to just stand by and we didn't really hear much. Um, Authentic says, what are your thoughts on the first two drafts from Shane? How pivotal is the 2024 draft for the future of Shane and Dable? Um, I think it is pivotal. I think it's one of the defining things. Um, authentic for what we're going to see from this season. You have the idea of, will they get a quarterback in here that Dable can show he's developing and that Dave and, and that Brian Dable and Joe Shane can point to and say, look at what we're building for the future, not just what's happening now in 2024. And remember you need to create that hope and that belief that you're developing for the future, but you also need the team to improve immediately in the short term so that you win enough games and you're still here just to run through their drafts. I mean, Evan Neal, obviously a huge miss and the, the, the lineman in that draft, Azudu, Neal and McKeithen, just a really, really uh, poor class. When you look at that cave with some up and down, need to see more Wandale need to see more. There were some flashes there. Cordell Flott, I thought came along um, this season, hopeful that he's going to keep st- taking a step forward Bellinger, I think, is what he is. Uh, Belton might, you know, I think is a guy who they need to take another step at safety. Hopefully he can show some flashes there um, with some ball skills, which is something he definitely does have. McFadden, obviously uh, McFadden is a guy that if he can keep playing the way he played in like the first four or five games of the season, um, you know, you got to be excited about. I think he definitely has a ceiling. But getting a player like that in the fifth round is good. On the back half of that draft, disappointing so far. You know, the DJ Davidson, McKeith and Beavers, et cetera. Evan Neal, obviously a glaring miss in that draft. And Kayvon's all-around game, with the exception of some of those sacks this year, I thought was lacking and needs work. Uh, Deontay Banks, I like a lot. Um, obviously, he needs to take a step forward. But for a rookie thrown into the fire like that, um, you know, I think the arrow is pointing up. John Michael Schmitz, I think definitely a guy who – is tough and they love, but uh, really did have a tough rookie year. A lot was asked of him, but uh, that was a tough rookie season. I think he he was the first one to say, you know, kind of disappointed how it went and he needs to get better. Jalen Hyatt, they used in spots, showed some flashes, but uh, need to see what he does with a fuller workload. Eric Gray, obviously looks like a miss though. Maybe if they give him more work at running back, he can provide some value at that position. And then Trey Hawkins, Jordan Riley, Javarius Owens. So far, uh, nothing there to show that major hits. Um, Riley, the guy who got the most playing time down the stretch of the season, but absolutely pivotal, pivotal, authentic. I think the number one thing is Shane inherited those two first round uh, picks from the Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman regime. And one of the players has shown some flashes, but you need to see more. And the other one looks like, uh, you know, he could be a bust. And so now you have two second rounders and a number six overall pick. If this isn't a strong draft, hard to look in the mirror and say um, that you haven't had a chance, you know, with the cap draft capital that Shane has had. And that's part of the reason it's so big for him and not just Dable. Brett says he thinks Luke McCaffrey looks good. I'll get back to you on all those guys as we keep with the draft process and take these names down. Michael says, what will it take to move up to number one for a quarterback and would it be worth it? Definitely worth it if you fall in love with your guy. Um, find it hard to believe that the Chicago Bears are going to move out of there, though. Um, Ryan Poles is a general manager who still hasn't drafted his quarterback. The defense really took strides down the stretch under Eberflus there. They need a QB. They need a QB who can throw. They need to take a step into the modern NFL offensive world. And um, Caleb Williams will help them do that. Um Brian Ascalise is going to wrap us up here. He says, was Evan Neal's weak production this year due to the injury or is he really struggling behind the scenes? Brian, I think it's both. Um, I think, you know, the remarks about the fans from Evan Neal, I know it was just one mistake, but 
those types of things, unfortunately, like when you're under the microscope in New York and, and just in the NFL as a young player, like how you handle those ups and downs usually is a reflection of how you're handling other ups and downs, whether it's in your game or just uh, or off the field in the building. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's all the above for Evan Neal. There's it's not hopeless, but he's got to work on all of it. And I think that's that's an important stress point there is that it's, um, you know, it's the maturity and it's the ability to just block everything else that out out and uh, play the type of football that the Giants believed you could. And hopefully Brasillo can help get that out of them as well. Michael says, do you think the Patriots would consider going to six? I did say at the beginning of this, you know, maybe you get them to slide back because they don't view someone as worth number three, even though they're still going quarterback. So maybe that's something you kick the tires on. If I'm Joe Shane, I'm making calls to all those teams. I'm just not confident, um, you know, in the end, you're going to go get one of them to move back. But guys, thank you so much for taking the time. I always love doing these and thanks so much for the support. Like I said, at the top of the show, go see Authentics Report on X uh, about Denard Wilson and why he chose the Titans over the Giants. Really great work from Authentic, who is a huge supporter. Other huge supporters, Jim Osborne, uh, Authentic came in with the Super Chat as well. Dante, Mike Goodman, Momo, and everyone who asked a question or dropped opinions or knowledge in here, whether we agreed, disagreed, whatever it is, I love the dialogue. I love the conversation. And if you missed it live, if you missed any portion of this, I will have this uploaded on the YouTube channel later and on my podcast channel. You can go listen to it. It's the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get them. And obviously here on the channel at PL on NFL. Thanks so much for your time. You guys are the best. Authentic says great work. Does Doug says thanks. Thank you to guys signing off. And um, today's Friday. I'll see you Monday at lunchtime, probably noon. But check my social media on Instagram, TikTok, uh, X, on threads even, and here on YouTube for updates. I'll see you for another live on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.